In the midst of this global crisis, the voices for justice are revealing what really matters. It is time for Planetary Makeover. Here we feature solutions and modern miracles in documentary videos that offer hope for our future and remind us all of our spiritual source. Long ago, it was forecast that at this time in history, extraordinary teachers, including the world teacher, would emerge to help us as we build a world that works for everyone. Now, here's your host of Planetary Makeover, Mr. David Minot. Good evening, folks. The team and I have a great show for you tonight, so welcome to another presentation of Planetary Makeover. And tonight, tonight we're going to feature a Dick Larson video. I told you when I first started as a host, you'd see Dick again, and he'll be here tonight. And you'll see him again in the future, because this is only part one. And we call this um, as... I want to make sure that I quote Dick properly. Why is there good news with this crisis? We can rebuild by the golden rule, part one. And that means, of course, that the current crisis that we're in, not just the pandemic itself, but all aspects of our changing world, whether it be in the political, economic, social, educational, medical, environmental or world peace realms, all of these are changing and changing for the better. Some people may think that it's the end of the world, but it's really just the beginning. And a lot of the information we get is from the Ageless Wisdom teaching and from some of its most celebrated authors. For instance, Madame Blavatsky, Helena Rorick, Alice Bailey, and most recently, Benjamin Krem. And it was Benjamin who, I think it's probably one of the, um, one of the people who studied his works, who was talented in art, did a cartoon. And it showed a, a man in rags and beards holding a sign saying, the end is near. And Ben is, is beside him smiling, holding a sign saying, the beginning is near. And that's what we want you to keep in mind, that Despite all present signs to the contrary, we're entering a new age of enlightenment, peace, synthesis, brotherhood, justice for all, ecological restoration, and all the rest of it. So hold on to your hats. We just gotta, we just gotta hang in there a little bit longer. Trust me, and we will get through this, working together as a group. So what else did I want to say about this? Hmm. Well. It was Dick who also will mention in here that we have extraordinary help at this time to guide us through these tremendous changes and upheavals we're going through and, and a world teacher. And I just want to make sure I haven't left anything out here. Oh, yes, yes. Producer, remind me to say before we go any further that... We're not trying to convince you of anything. That's your job. Our job is just to present the information to you. 
And you can do what you want with it. Because I know some of the people that have heard this probably think we're flakes. And that's okay. That is their right. And what we hope, all that we really hope, is that you can view this with an open mind. And everybody thinks, oh, that's easy. I got an open mind. But in reality, as I've said before, it's one of the rarest things on the planet. Um, Because all of us, we will run things by what we already know, new concepts concepts and theories that are introduced to. We'll run it by what we already know. If it agrees, fine. If not, we kick it out. We, We oftentimes don't even think to ask, what did you mean by that? Or I don't have a frame of reference for that. Could you go into that a little further? Because it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us, it, uh, it confronts us with the idea that we might have to change the way we think, the way we live, the way we act. And that's uncomfortable, naturally, for human beings. And most of us don't want to do that. So think about that the next time you reject some new concept that's been presented to you. And before you kick it out of your head or outright reject it or just tell people, no, that's wrong. Stop and ask questions and then ponder on it. Do your own research and see what comes to you because you may find that from your own intuition, you'll come up with with answers that you hadn't even dreamed of. So as I began to say before I remembered to say, keep an open mind, um, we assert that humanity is not alone, that we have assistants, teachers, guides of an extraordinary kind. These are human beings that have gone before us and now have reached a state of what we would think of at this level of of perfection. But evolution and development never ends, so they're evolving too. But the masters of wisdom are humanity's elder brothers. Several lifetimes from now, you'll be a master of wisdom too. It's simply part of the plan. And a select group of them have stuck around here on earth to help us out, their younger brothers and sisters, so that we can get through this cataclysmic, cataclysmic, well, that's hard to say some days, time and not blow ourselves up because we do have the capability to destroy the planet, human kingdom, and all the sub-kingdoms. And we didn't come as far to blow it now. Don't you agree? I hope you agree. I hope enough people agree. I hope uh, enough mass of people agree that we can change things. And I... I think, I think we do. I think we do. And that world teacher for humanity is already here. And he has been, he has been predicted for thousands of years. After all, this is not new news. Philosophers of all kinds. And also the major religions have predicted them for the Hindus. It's the Kali avatar um, or the latest incarnation of Krishna for the Jews, it's the Messiah. For the Muslims, it's the Imam Mahdi. For the Christians, it's the Christ. For the Buddhists, it's the latest incarnation of Maitreya Buddha. Uh, they at least got the name right. And actually, he's not Buddha, but the, the names have been used interchangeably in the past. So now, today, now that he's back out in the world, the joke is on us because He's not just here for those groups. He's here for everybody. And I'm sure you know, I know lots of agnostics and atheists. 
and nobody gets left out. Everybody, because everybody is divine, whether they know it or not. And it doesn't matter if they believe that or not. So since, since this world teacher is here and working with us, we are, we are on the right track. And everyone's included. There's no doctrine, no dogma, no belief system, no guilt, no shame, nothing of that sort attached to this. Only love. And you're free to disavow it all and to be as skeptical and dismissive as you like. That's perfectly fine because it doesn't matter. You're still divine. We're still all brethren. We're still going to make it through this together, no matter what we believe or don't believe. So don't overthink it. So these two videos, and there are two. Tonight, we're just going to see part one. Then we'll see the other half a month from now after our Christmas show. They sort of encapsulate the whole emergence story that I've been alluding to, the emergence of the world teacher. Dick will cover most of the points in this in those two videos. But I'm sure you'll have lots of questions after the first one, first one being tonight, first one starting now is as I wrap things up here. And you can call us in. You can call us in, call us up, and ask your questions. And that is the phone number right there. I cut a hole in this thing because last week, uh, two weeks ago, I was covering my face with it. That's our phone number, 888-627-6008. And I'll repeat this later. And then you can call us up after the show and, or I should say after the video, not after the show, after the video and ask us whatever questions you want. And as I said, be as skeptical as you want. So having said that and having primed the pump, I believe, Mr. Producer, you can roll that tape. Hi, glad you could join me. My name is Dick Larson. I'm talking to you from sunny Southern California, USA. And we're going to talk today about an amazing opportunity for everyone on this planet who's old enough to understand um, that isn't general knowledge out there in the world yet. So... People ask me for my sources. I have my notes here, so I don't leave anything out. People ask me for my sources, so let's do that right away at the top here. Uh, my source is something called the Ageless Wisdom Teachings. The Ageless Wisdom is an ancient philosophy, a living philosophy, as old as humanity. It's been passed down by word of mouth over the ages, and then lately in writing, the last two teachers of the Ageless Wisdom have been a woman named Alice A. Bailey, uh, who wrote about 20 books in the 1930s and 40s, and Benjamin Krem, spelled C-R-E-M-E. It looks like Krem, but it's pronounced Krem, who has written about 17 books. They're available on Amazon.com. I'm not here to sell books, but if you want to check them out, you're welcome to do that. 
Benjamin Krem was the latest revealer of the ageless wisdom. I knew Benjamin Krem. He lived in London. I knew Benjamin Krem and um, worked with him for a while. And he is the primary source for my information. And then people always say, well, where does Benjamin Krem get his information? So I'll tell you. Benjamin Krem was taught how to be in contact with one of the ascended masters, the masters of wisdom, these great beings um, that make up our spiritual kingdom. He was taught how to be in contact with one of these great masters. And that's where he received his information. So the shorthand for that is he received his information directly from the spiritual universe, uh, the spiritual world. Um, and he didn't get it by channeling, which is a, um, an emotional uh, kind of, I see I got to admit people here. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had to do that all the time. Um, so he didn't do it by channeling. He did it by mental telepathy, which is much, much more accurate. And that's where Benjamin Krem got his information. So the source of my information is the Ageless Wisdom teachings and, in particular, Benjamin Krem. Um, I usually ask two things. Oh, by the way, Benjamin Krem was an artist, and you can see my lithograph of one of his paintings here behind me called Meditation, which is about the focal points, uh, among other things, shows the focal points of meditation and energy uh, that we can use. Um, let's see. A couple things I ask of my viewers and listeners. Number one, please don't believe a word I say. <laughs> that would be blind belief, and I can't recommend that to anybody. So I'm not here to convince you that what I say is true. I'm not here to get you to think like I think. I'm not here to argue or debate. I'm, I'm here to give up my information. And if 10 or 20 or 30% of it makes sense to you, I'll be very happy with that. Um, and if it doesn't, I apologize for wasting your time. I don't think I would be wasting your time or I wouldn't bother to do this. Obviously, I'm 100% convinced that what I have to say based on my life experiences, that what I have to say is true or I wouldn't be doing this. The second thing I ask of my listeners, we all have built up a belief system. I'm going to ask you to keep an open mind. Now, that can be challenging, easier said than done. We all build up our belief system and our convictions over a lifetime, and we hold those pretty dear to ourselves. So I'm going to ask you to just crack the window open. If this is new to you, I'm going to ask you to just crack the window open a little bit and let some of my information in. Um, it's information that Benjamin Krem traveled the world for 40 years without any pay, giving out this information, and I'm going to give some of it today. But I'm asking you to just kind of let it settle in your lap like a brick. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to argue with it. You don't have to disagree. You don't have to agree. Just let it. Just let the information in and see how it, how it develops for you. So those are the two things I ask. Don't believe me. And... Keep an open mind. One of the reasons that keeping an open mind is challenging when I talk about this stuff is because some of what I'm going to talk about is prophecy. And the problem with prophecy is you can't show it to anybody. You can't prove it to anybody. So I can't demonstrate some of the prophecy that I'm going to be talking about. We just have to, we just have to wait and see what happens.
Um, but if I'm right, and I think I am, um, this is going to happen pretty soon, a few years at the most. So if you're in reasonable health at all, you're going to be around for what I'm going to be talking about. Um, the world has many crises today, a ton of them. And we're going to talk a little more about how that happens and why that is. But one of the main crises in the world today, according to the Masters of Wisdom, who I'll, who I'll explain, one of the main crises in the world is a spiritual crisis. The Masters say that we have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten that we're not humans having a spiritual experience. We're spirits having a human experience. We're spirits. We're sacred. We're divine. We're holy. Now, we all have a spark, a big spark of God in us. Christians call it the soul. And that makes us divine. Now, we can't always act holy. We can't always act divine. Some of the great beings that went before us, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, you know, those those people could act holy because that's basically what they were. And they were evolved enough to be able to demonstrate it in the world. You and I, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> we're demonstrating our divinity to the extent that we can, but we need to not forget that we are divine. We need to be reminded. And that's what's going to be happening very, very soon. Humanity is going to be reminded who we really are. There's a spiritual aspect to every part of life, if we would just let it shine. Work can be spiritual. Family certainly can be spiritual. Government can be spiritual. Finance can be spiritual. Education can be. Every aspect of life can be spiritual if we will treat it that way. And it comes from us. We need to remember that we are sacred, that we are divine. You know, these great masters, these great beings I'm going to talk about are perfected human beings. They've gone through evolution ahead of us, through human evolution, lifetime after lifetime, thousands of lifetimes. And each time the soul takes a body, it picks up where we left off in our evolutionary development. So we learn and grow and ultimately become perfected human beings. That's what these great beings have done. And they've become perfected human beings and so they've learned all the lessons that planet Earth has to teach. And once you've learned all the lessons planet Earth has to teach, you become a permanent consciousness, a permanent member of the spiritual kingdom. And that's what these masters are. They're called many things. They're called the masters of the wisdom. They're called the ascended masters. They're called the lords of compassion. They're called the spiritual hierarchy. Hierarchy means different levels. Well, just like us humans are evolving at different levels. That's what makes the world go around. So the spiritual kingdom, the members of the spiritual kingdom are at different levels of evolution too. Evolution never stops. We never stop learning and growing. So it's called also called the spiritual hierarchy. There were 63 of these great beings that have hung around planet Earth because you don't have to. You can go on other paths once you become a perfected human being, once you become a master. There are 63 of these great beings that have hung around planet Earth. And we know some of them as Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is one of the great masters now. Joan of Arc is one of the great masters. Confucius, I already said. These, these beings that we know have gone through human evolution, become perfected human beings, 
and are now members of the spiritual kingdom. Before the next 2,000 years are over, there will be over 40 of these great beings walking amongst humanity, giving us suggestions, teaching us, guiding us. And we're going to talk more about that. Every 2,250 years or so, we reach a new era, a new age, we call it. I'll tell you how that happens. It's astronomy. It's not astrology like in, in newspapers and magazines for entertainment. It's astronomy. It's the movement of heavenly bodies throughout cosmos. Our sun and our solar system and our planet are in the middle of 12 great constellations that we call the zodiac. And periodically, we come into alignment as a planet. We come into alignment with each of these constellations one at a time. Now, if you were to go to an astronomer, they, would, they call this the precession of the equinox. That's what the scientists call it. We call it new ages. So for the last 2,000 years, we have been in alignment with the great constellation Pisces. And when we're in alignment with one of these constellations, we say we are in the age of whatever that constellation is. So for the last 2,000 years, we've been in alignment with Pisces, and these constellations have powerful energies. And we've been receiving the energies of Pisces. The, the two primary energies of Pisces are individuality. Man has come out of the herd in the last 2,000 years and dedication to an ideal. And it's dedication to the ideal of freedom that saved the world in World War II. So Piscean energy has done its job. We are now independent individuals with our own, our own convictions and our own beliefs and our own thoughts and actions. We're powerful. We're powerful individuals now. That's the individuality part of it. The problem is it creates separation because we each have our own ideals. We each have our own beliefs. And, and we're sure that ours are the one. They're right. <laughs> so it's caused tremendous separation. I mean, in America, the Republican Party has never been farther from the Democratic Party. They've never been farther apart. The Christian religion alone has over 150 different groups, different sects. There's Lutherans and Episcopalians and Protestants and um, Roman Catholics and um, on and on and on and on. So it's caused tremendous separation. Well, those energies from Pisces um, have been pounding this planet for 2,000 years. Now, in 1625, they started to recede. We started to move out of alignment with Pisces and into alignment with the next great constellation, which is Aquarius. So we are entering the age of Aquarius. We're moving from Pisces to Aquarius. And when you do that, you're crisscrossing energies because Aquarian energy is very different from Piscean energy. You're crisscrossing energies. And when that happens, there's chaos on the planet, crises on the planet. And we're in the middle of it right now. It's a difficult time on planet Earth. What are the two primary energies of Aquarius? They're very different than Pisces. They're cooperation and synthesis. Cooperation and synthesis. And so now what's going to happen is we're going to take that powerful individuals, the powerful individuals built under Pisces, and we're going to get them to work together as a group. And then that group contains tremendous energy and the backing, 
the support of Aquarian energy. And so groups are, are huge now. That's why people marching in the streets could save the healthcare in America because Aquarian energy supports group action. So we're into the age of Aquarius. We started receiving Aquarian energy in 1675. And so we're about halfway through the, the crossover now. It's a difficult transition time, very difficult transition that we're going through now. Well, when we start a new age, we get a great teacher sent to bring the teachings or the revelation that humanity is ready for. You know that old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, the teacher that came to inaugurate the age of Pisces was Jesus. And you know the symbol for Pisces is the fish. So there's all these fish analogies in the Christian Bible. I'll make you fishers of men. He, he fed the crowd with fish and so on and so forth. There's two symbols for Christianity. One is the cross and one is the fish. And a lot of Christians don't know why it's the fish. Well, this is why. Because he was the teacher who for the age of Pisces. Um, so now it's 2,000 years later. We're entering the age of Aquarius. It's time for another teacher. And that teacher is who we're going to be talking about um, a lot. Let me see what I, I don't want to leave anything out here. Okay, this teacher is here now in a physical body on the planet, waiting for the best time to come forward when he can get the attention of most of humanity. That's his plan. Now, humanity has free will, so his plan might change, but that's his plan that we know, that my information says through Benjamin Krem that that's his plan. So he is here now waiting for the right time to come forward. These masters, by the way, are in the mountain and desert regions of the world. That's where they live. They, they, they're not up in heaven somewhere. They're here on the planet, but they're in areas where they don't have to deal with smog and pollution and noise pollution and all that stuff that we've got going on here on the planet. They don't have to be distracted by all of that. Now, they can be in physical bodies or not in physical bodies. Some are in physical bodies, like the world teacher, who is the teacher for the age of Aquarius. His personal name is Maitreya. Like, my name is Dick. His name is Maitreya. Maitreya in Sanskrit means the happy one, the one who brings joy, the joyful one. He is the teacher for the age of Aquarius. Now, why is this event unique? I promised I would tell you that. It's unique because the age-old way for a teacher to give out his information, to give out his or her teachings, is through a very, very advanced disciple. And the disciple agrees before he is born, agrees to give out the teachings of this great master. And then I'll give you an example. Prince Gautama. Prince Gautama agreed with the Buddha before he was born to give out the teachings of the Buddha. So when Prince Gautama became of age, became an adult, the Buddha overshadowed Prince Gautama. Now, this is a word that's used in the Ageless Wisdom, overshadowing. It's also in the Christian Bible. It means the same thing both places. It means that the Buddha put his consciousness, with Prince Gautama's permission, put his consciousness in Prince Gautama. So when Prince Gautama taught, he was giving out the Buddha's teachings. 
So he became known as Gautama Buddha. He wasn't the Buddha, but he was giving the Buddha's teachings. He taught like the Buddha. Same thing happened with Jesus. Jesus, who was one of the great, great, great masters now, Jesus, before he was born, agreed with Maitreya, who is the Christ for our planet. Christians, hang in there. Hang in there. I'm going to explain this. But Christ is a position in the spiritual hierarchy. It's not anybody's last name. Jesus' last name wasn't Christ. Back then, people were known by their name and where they came from. So he was Jesus of Nazareth. Well, the Christ for our planet, which not every planet has a Christ, is a very advanced individual in our spiritual kingdom, the leader of the masters. He, uh, he and Jesus agreed that Jesus would give out his teachings, the teachings of the Christ. So when Jesus became of age, actually it happened when he was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. From that until the crucifixion, those three years of his primary teaching, Jesus gave out the teachings of the Christ. How did he do that? He did that because Maitreya, the world teacher, the Christ, put his consciousness, with Jesus' permission, in Jesus. Part of his consciousness. In Jesus. So when Jesus spoke, it was as if the Christ was speaking, and Jesus became known as Jesus the Christ. That's the age-old way for masters to give out their teaching to humanity. Well, it's different this time. This is why it's unique. This time, the teacher is coming himself. The master of all the masters, Maitreya, the world teacher, the Christ for planet Earth, is coming himself. He made his own physical body. He's in it now. He made his own physical body. It was very challenging and very difficult to make, as I understand it. Imagine this. He's the Christ. That means he embodies the love of God in his being. He had to make a body that could, that could contain that incredible energy and still not zap you to death when he shook your hand. So it took him a while to make this body. As I understand it, it's a male body, about six foot three. Um, and his base of operations is in London, in the outskirts of London. Um, and the masters travel by thought. So he can appear in 42 places at once if he wants to. And he'll, he'll appear to be a real solid physical person in all 42 places or whatever. That's how the masters travel. I mean, I can't even wrap my brain around this. <laughs> but, it's, but my understanding is, and I have no reason to doubt it, that that's absolutely true. His base of operations is London. But he's not coming alone. There are 14 masters in the world right now in major cities of the world. There's one in Rome, in the outskirts of Rome. That master is Jesus. Jesus is back, not at the end of the world. It's not going to be the end of the world. The Ageless Wisdom says that each planet has millions and millions of years of life before it becomes a perfected planet. How does it become a perfect planet? Because the people on it become perfect. Well, humanity's got a long way to go until we become perfect human beings and have learned all the lessons that planet Earth has to teach us. We're just over halfway through the life of our planet, according to the ageless wisdom. So the end of the world is nowhere near. You can relax <laughs> if you've been worried about that. Okay, so he's the teacher for this age. He's coming forward in a physical body that he made. He can't be killed. He doesn't need to eat or sleep. He works 24 hours a day. He can appear wherever he wants to. 
and Jesus is in the outskirts of Rome. Now, I understand that the Pope and a couple cardinals around the Pope know that Jesus is here. They've been asked not to say anything. Why? Because if the Pope said Jesus was here, every Roman Catholic and a lot of Christians in the world would believe it, just because the Pope said so, not because they'd actually experienced Jesus in their life. That's an infringement of humanity's free will. And none of the masters will ever infringe our free will. It's sacred. They would never force us to do anything. Free will is one of the ways we learn and grow. We make choices with our free will. And then we learn from our choices. The goal isn't to choose correctly every time. The goal is to always learn from our choice. We can learn from a wise choice. We can learn from a poor choice. But the goal is always to learn. So we don't make the same poor choice over and over and over. You know, so we progress, we learn and grow. Benjamin Krem said that the, the royal road to spiritual growth is service and meditation, and free will makes that possible. So free will is sacred. The masters will never make us do anything. So that's why this event is unique, because he's here himself. I mean, we can't imagine the power and the love of a being like Maitreya, the world teacher. And yet he's going to be with humanity at the center of humanity for the next 2,000 years. He doesn't come to start a new religion. He says, if you're in a religion and it's working for you, great. If you're not, I come for you too. I come for everybody. Well, wasn't that something? I hope you learned something from all that. I know I did. I learned something new every time I listen to Dick. Well, now that you've heard him yet again, and you will again, as I said, part two is in a month after our Christmas show. Um, and there again is the number. So if you can call us in at 888 627 6008 and give us your take on all of this and i'm just going to hold that for a little bit maybe down there let me just repeat that again so i have to keep holding this like a fool eventually we're gonna have to figure out how to stream this across the screen that's 888-627-6008 and until somebody does call in I thought that I would guess what perhaps might be some people's questions. I had to write them all down so I could remember them. And one thing um, that I thought we would start with would be transmission meditation, which you know we've mentioned before. It's sort of a world service for humanity. And it's, it's not personal, not like transcendental meditation. It actually serves the world. When you do it, you focus at the Anjana Center between the eyebrows, often mistaken for the third eye, which is another thing that we'll describe another time. And when you do that, the masters who are sort of the scientific custodians of these energies, they send those energies through your upper chakras and out into the world. You don't direct them, they do. And they help, well, to put it poetically, sort of 
top off or add to or refill or refresh the pool of spiritual energy from which all creation drinks. How's that? I don't think I came up with that. I think that was Ben Krem, Benjamin Krem. And it also accelerates your own personal evolution, your own spiritual growth, which of course has nothing to do with religion per se. Any act potentially could be spiritual. Any act that contributes to the advancement of humanity could be spiritual. You could have spiritual accounting, spiritual janitorial work, spiritual art, all kinds of things. Well, looks like I'm going to get a break here because we have a caller on line two. Dina, or is it Diana? Go ahead, caller. Oh, hi. Um, It's Sabina calling from... Edmonton, Canada. Well, Sabina, the uh, the computer clipped off part of your name. Go right ahead. Okay. Well, basically, what I'm wondering about when you talk about keeping an open mind, um, like if if I'm listening to what you're saying, but I already have my own beliefs, what, uh, is this like I'm going to see how what you're saying? might be the same as what I already think, or if it's different than what I think, is it going to change the way I think? I guess I'm just curious about what you, what you think would happen. Well, I think it's perfectly fair and natural and a normal response to compare and contrast. Compare it to what you already know and see how it sizes up. And then if it doesn't quite jive, you might want to Set it aside. Or, as Krishnamurti suggests, when you get new information, sort of listen and watch watch it like it's a movie. Because when you're watching a good movie, a movie that you're enjoying, your mind is really rather still. You're not questioning. You're not doubting. You're not thinking about a laundry list or shopping or what I'm going to do at work today. Your mind is still. So... If you can keep your mind still while listening, that would be a tremendous help. Now, we can't help our mind um, chattering on and on as it does. So if you feel the need, as I said, to compare and contrast with what you already know, that's fine. Okay, it well, that may- makes a lot of sense. So it's, it's sort of like just letting it all filter down through uh, the different layers of my mind and then just kind of like see what what I come up with. Yes, and sooner or later... Something else will enter your head. As you, as you said, Sabina, it'll filter down or bubble up, as the case may be, and something will enter your head from the inside. So nothing that I have said will really influence you, but something from your own true self with a capital S, spirit, soul, mm-hmm. the inner you, will clue you in, and you'll come up with your own answers. <laughs> I think I've had that experience where something inside of me says, oh, yeah, that's right, or, or something like that. Your intuition, yes. And that's, yeah. that's a really great point that you make because a lot of people say, well, you know, I got a gut feeling. Well, gut feelings are fine. However, animals have gut feelings too, and that's down here in the solar plexus. When you, what you just described is, is more intuition, which is coming from up here or the Anjana Center. Well, that's cool. Thank you for your answer. That's really helpful. I love your show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Sabina. Thank you so much for calling in and asking us questions. We always learn something that way. 
Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, hopefully we'll get more callers in like Sabina. That was wonderful. And see, that's what I mean about making us think. When you call in and ask those kinds of questions, you're teaching me. And you want to remember that the masters of wisdom, Maitreya, and the authors from the Aegis Wisdom Teaching and, and people who host shows like this, we're not gurus, thank God. We're at the same level that you're at. Um, just because I'm talking on, on the show doesn't give me any authority. I'm learning from you and you're learning from me. So until I get another question here, thinking of hypothetical ones, I had another one. People might think, well, why is he called the Christ? Why is the world teacher not called you know, Buddha or Krishna or the Messiah or Zoroaster or Confucius or some other historical figure like that? Well, we'll get back to you about that because John from Florida is on line four. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. Hello, David. That was a great video. Well, thank you. Yes, I thought so, too. I'll pass it along to I just wanted to add. I just wanted to ask if you've uh, if you've ever seen Maitreya or had an experience with the Master that you might be able to share with us. Well, people can once again feel free to to disbelieve or believe what I'm about to say, um, but I think I have. Um, we had gone to a, a peace march during the Iraq War in New York, and I went with a friend. I was supposed to bring some flyers with me which I failed to do, and remember that because it'll come up again. And we marching along with our friends that we brought with us, other friends, so there are about four, four of us plus a couple of um, little babies. And the march kind of reached a bottleneck where it slowed way down when we were pretty much had come to a stop. And I noticed a woman next to me, and I struck up a conversation with her, and guess what? She was from the Share International New York group. I was from the Share International Boston group. So we started talking, and wouldn't you know it, lo and behold, she had the flyers in her hands that I was supposed to bring with me. So she handed them to me to pass them out. And I thought to myself, do I have to do this? People are going to think I'm a flake. Is this really necessary? And just then, this man appeared at, I always get 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock confused. I guess that's two o'clock. Yes. In the distance, in the crowd, this man with a long string hair and a scraggly beard and sort of ragged looking clothes began to approach me. Very quickly, he was moving through a crowd that was densely packed and stationary. And you don't stop to think about it at the moment. That's very strange. And he came right up to me. And as you can tell, I'm never at a loss for words. And I was flabbergasted. I, my mind went blank. And I'm holding the flyers like this here, like my notes. I'm holding them like this. And he reached his hand over the flyer. And he couldn't see the text, obviously, on the other side because I'm holding it close. Put his finger on the key word on that whole flyer and said one word to me. Yes. And then he turned around and disappeared at 2 o'clock through a crowded stationary crowd as quickly as he came. And only after he left was I able to speak 
And I turned to the woman next to me who I'd met and I said, what was that? What do you think? And she said, I don't know. Ask Ben, Benjamin Krem at the next conference. He comes to New York every year and he'll take messages from people or he will, he will answer questions from, uh, when people write into a Sharon International magazine. Um, and so I turned my friend who I came from Boston with, and I said, you may have just had your first Maitreya experience. So I think it was in next year's conference that I scribbled it down on a piece of paper, or maybe it was that year. Yeah, because that was the spring, and the conference was a couple months later. So it was the same year. And I handed it um, down the aisle to be given to Bennett. I don't think he got to it that day, but I believe it was published in Share International later. And he said, yes, that was a bona fide Maitreya experience. And I also read later that oftentimes, at least back then, when Maitreya would make an appearance, people would often, their minds would go blank. They couldn't speak. Hmm. I don't know if that was so. We didn't blow his cover and go, wait, wait, wait a minute, aren't you, you're Maitreya, you know. Or it was just to get us to listen. But my mind certainly um, went completely still. And then another instance I can think of um, would be at a uh, conference. Um, we do New Age conferences and, um, and conventions and that sort of thing. And we had a table and someone approached the table and I said, so where are you from? And he says, oh, here and there. And he had a companion with him. Later on, I had to give the lecture on transmission meditation, which I'd never done before. And I was stuttering and stumbling at a few points at a loss for words. And that same person was in the front row during my lecture. And he was prompting me telepathically, giving me ideas about what to say next. It was amazing. And I don't know if I went on for too long, John. But there's two instances. Have you had any instances where you think you you met a master? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few months ago, I was at uh, I went to went to Walmart, and I noticed when I was going in, there was a lady sitting out on the on the on the bench, looking looking straight up. And you know, and I looked up there, and there was nothing but a street light. You know, you can't. You know, you don't look up at street lights. I mean, I don't. And uh, Anyway, I went in and did my shopping. When I came back out, I walked by her, and uh, she was like an older lady of color, and she kind of grabbed me, and she said, uh, "You know, she said, look up there," and she goes, uh, "She goes, you need to, you should look up more often," and uh, that's just just so relevant to everything, you know, looking up, keeping our attention high, and uh, looking on the bright side, and thinking about the, you know, thinking about the the good forces on our planet mm-hmm. yes but uh that was that was that was this that was this year and so i didn't i didn't have it you know benjamin Krim was already gone so it wasn't confirmed or anything but it was it was something you know it's, it stays with me every time i go to walmart <laughs> <laughs> looking for that same one yeah she probably had an extraordinary energy about her didn't she yes of course of course and amazing yeah, it was, it eyes was, uh, too, it, was, it was amazing yeah very amazing. I think it's a great, great show you've got. Thanks for thanks for all the great work you're doing, and I look forward to uh, to watching your future shows. Well, you're welcome, John, and thank you so much for calling in and sharing that story with all the viewers and listeners. We appreciate it. Okay, well, thank you, sir. You're welcome.
Have a great night. And until we get another caller, I've got another hypothetical question. Oh, we didn't finish the last one, did we? About why is he called the Christ and not Buddha or Krishna or um, the Messiah or Confucius or Muhammad or any one of a thousand names? You know, that's a good question. Some of what I read is that the Christ principle is the principle of love sort of for our universe or this section of the universe. And so that the term Christ is not a name, it's a title, it's a, it's a position, it's an office, so to speak. And Maitreya has held it for a couple thousand years. I don't remember exactly when that is. I'm sure there's somebody that could call in and tell me. And we'll hold it for a couple thousand more. And then the baton will be passed on to someone else. So in a sense, the planet has had many Christs, though I'm sure some people would take issue with that. I was giving a talk once on transmission meditation, and I, I said that line, and <clears throat> excuse me, someone took great, great umbrage at that. They said, no, there's only been one Christ. And, you know, you, have to, you, you can't disagree with him because that doesn't help him any in his search. So, it, but it d- does stop and make you think. So that's something I think we both need to research. And so until we get another question, let me look at my questions that I wrote down. Hmm. And some people will say, well, I think this whole notion of the world teacher, uh, Maitreya, and the emergence of the masters, I think it's more a hypothetical thing, a concept, a state of mind a spiritual movement, not an actual being. And I get that. We get that. And that's perfectly fine to have that take on it too. And I guess the answer would be, if if they were asking me that question, um, what's your take on it? My information and my experience is that there is an actual embodiment of the world teacher that is in the world now. And his name is Maitreya. He emerged in 1977. And he's been bopping around the globe ever since, meeting thousands upon thousands of people, talking to groups, but not using that name. So that so that people could absorb this information on their own and it would come to them by themselves, from inside them. It wouldn't be some authority figure saying, this is the Christ, or this is the Buddha, or this is the Messiah, or this is the Imam Mahdi, or the Kali Avatar, or the Maitreya Buddha. Okay. And, um, and this one was from, um, this one I got some help on from our producer and our resident filmmaker and documentarian, Francis Oman, whose work you will see again Next week, uh, she asks, well, um, what do the ancient Himalayan texts say the world will be like? And you can, and people that would include people that talked about it and wrote about it would be Blavatsky and um, Madame Blavatsky, Helena Roderick, Alice Bailey, and then, of course, Benjamin Grimm. Well, the, those three highly evolved women were the first ones who brought this information to the West. And they did, it did, they did say way back then there was a prediction by the Buddha that a figure would come 
much later, when was that, a couple thousand years ago, um, that it would be the new Buddha, so to speak. It's not really Buddha, Buddha. Uh, and, it w- and his name would be Maitreya. So don't say they didn't warn you. And I guess another take on it would be, why should I believe this? Well, you, as, as Dick pointed out, you don't have to believe any of this. You can just let it all go in one ear and out the other um, because that sort of thing will come to you in your own time from inside of you and you won't need any prompting from me or anybody else. And what are you thinking too from my notes? How can you get more involved in this? Well, join your local transmission meditation group. How can you do that? Well, go to transmissionmeditation.org, www.transmissionmeditation.org. And I think they got a section in there where you can put your name in and tell me your area where you live. And they will get in touch with you and tell you about a transmission meditation group in your area. Better yet, start your own. And you can read the book online and at share-ecart.com. That's share, as in sharing, dash or hyphen, e-cart, C-A-R-T, dot com. And our next show will be the Christmas show, in effect, and we call that Have You Seen the New Star of Bethlehem in the Sky Now? And trust me, I have. I've been taking pictures of it since 2008, late 2008? beginning of 2009, but you don't have to believe any of that either, but we'll show you plenty of pictures and you can judge for yourself. And with that, I think we are going to wrap up because that's enough for now. We could tell you about shows after that, but there's another show coming up and we got to wrap up and then we'll start preparing for the next show in two weeks where we hope we will see you here again. So thank you so much for tuning in. Keep an open mind. Keep searching. Listen to your own intuition. Let that be your guide. And all will be well, as Maitreya said. All manner of things will be well. Thank you very much. And I will see you next time, which will be sooner than you think. Tune in right here in two weeks for the next Planetary Makeover Show as we watch and discuss another video by Francis Ullman in light of the timely and non-denominational ageless wisdom teachings that will fill your spirit and inspire you with hope for the future, a world that works for everyone. So be prepared to call in and share your views and questions in another uplifting episode of Planetary Makeover.